Welcome to the B-Side Podcast, dedicated to country music and concert junkies. Your hosts, Stacy and Andy Best, take you behind the scenes and introduce you to the amazing fans and team that support your favorite country artist. You'll meet the talent behind the talent and hear their contributions to your live country concert experience. We're glad you're here and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the B-Side Podcast. Today we're chatting with Jennifer Smith, Chad Cates, Nick Hetzler, and David Vaughn from the Tennessee Stills Band. Tennessee Stills is an acoustic country rock band with amazing harmonies, and they're from the Nashville area. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. What is up, Tennessee Stills? Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Officially our first interview. Excellent. Oh, I love it. All in this together. Yes, we are. (laughs) Great. Well, I thought we'd kick it off. Nick, David, and Chad, ironically, we all work for the same healthcare company for our day jobs. It's such a small world. And we thought, yeah, I know. It's so funny. And, And the company's based out of Nashville. And obviously, we're all in the same situation. We work a day job and then pursue our passion projects on the side. Let's take a minute just to talk about what each of you do for your day jobs. Okay. Nick? Hey, guys. So, so yeah, for, for my day job, as Stacy said, you know, we all work for, we're for the same company. But so I work in uh, IT healthcare for my day job. And, you know, it gives me the ability to, you know, be able to pursue a, a side passion of mine. You know, music is, is extremely passionate for me. So, you know, we can get more into that later. But yeah, that kind of healthcare IT um, for my day job. Chad, what about you? Awesome. Well, so when I moved to Nashville in 97, I pretty much instantly got on the road uh, on the touring side of the music industry. And I did that for about 17 years. And then when I had my, my son was born, I realized that I didn't want to be a, a traveling, you know, dad. Like I didn't want to miss, you know, the weekends and, you know, things that were going to come up where I was just going to be absent. So I went to a software school called the Nashville Software School, like a six-month boot camp um, to become a, a developer. And I ended up getting hired as a QA automation engineer for the healthcare company that we all work for. And I've been doing that for since 2015. So, yeah, and that has allowed me to, you know, be around for my kids and also kind of pursue like what I wanted to do musically instead of like traveling with other people that were doing it already. So it's kind of allowed me to do, you know, the best of both worlds. So yeah, I've been doing QA automation for almost five years. So great. Yeah. Jennifer. Oh, wow. I've done we're so going many around things. the horn on this. We're going around the horn on the street. <laughs> well, currently, currently I'm lucky enough. I get to stay home. Well, with my kids this year, both my two youngest, they're both in school. They were in school, you know, (laughs) till this whole coronavirus, but, um, but stayed at home with them. But I've done, um, a lot of different shows musically singing and dancing, Opry Mills area for a while, but dental assisting. I was a dental assistant until my two youngest were born. So, and a whole bunch of different things, but dental assisting was probably my biggest, you know, (laughs) biggest thing, but, uh, and teaching, I taught pre-K for a while too. So, Did you say dancing? Yes. 
Oh, uh-huh. what did you do with dancing? Um, I was in a show for a couple of years with the, it's called the El Review. It was up by Opry Mills, the Gibson guitar, um, the Gibson showcase. It was like singing and dancing, costume changes, and um, there's three main girls in the show and backup singers and dancers, and I was one of the girls. And I actually had my little, we had a big billboard uh, downtown Nashville for a little while, but that's my big, you know, moment, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. fun. It was fun doing, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was fun. So, you know, very cool. it was good. Love it. But I have a, I have a big history, a range of different things from being a firefighter to pre-K <laughs> teacher to, I mean, I've got, oh, firefighter. I like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually really short and small, but I have a lot of muscle behind me. So <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> yep. David, what about you? Well, I have a, a pretty interesting story as well, backing up, but I'll, I'll talk about what I do now because it's very timely. So I run our company's virtual health platform called our National Virtual Health Platform. So it's 24-7 video and telephonic visits uh, with our providers. And so as you, can, as you can imagine, the demand for that platform shot straight up in the last three weeks and continues to shoot straight up into the sky. So we've been basically working nonstop trying to accommodate our, our members and our customers that, that want to be, want to utilize the service, making sure that we have enough capacity providers in the service. And, and so it's just been a crazy last three weeks. I'm very fortunate to be a part of something that, has risen in demand versus kind of completely dropped off in demand. So happy to uh, to be working, but very, very timely and very busy at this point. Yes, Nick and David, I'm in operations and uh, we couldn't do what we're doing right now if it wasn't for your hard work and, and that whole platform. So yes, really great stuff. Appreciate Appreciate you all so much. I didn't realize we had the smartest band in Nashville. That's right. That's right. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's unbelievable. Well, with all that being said, so obviously you've all had professional career outside of the music industry. Uh, Do you find that to be atypical compared to other bands or artists around Nashville? I think most people that are pursuing kind of the Broadway kind of playing stuff and, you know, looking for gigs. I think they just kind of live that life. You know, I think they're really readily available to like just jump on something when they're asked to do it. And so I think that's been one of the challenges for us is that we all do have these, you know, daytime jobs and kids and, you know, families and stuff. And we're not always easily just can drop everything and go play somewhere. I don't know if that's, I think, I don't feel like everybody has that kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. I I would, I would second that. I think, you know, most, most people are kind of using music as their main, their main job and doing side, side jobs to be able to support them playing music, you know, to, to, you know, make the, the extra money uh, to be able to support the music. And, and I think we're a little different in that we're, you know, we, we all do have careers and, you know, we're, we're not in our twenties anymore. And so we all have families and, and, you know, we're trying to balance, family and careers and then music is our passion so we make it work but I think that is a little different than what you typically see on you know with bands on Broadway as Chad said availability is a big thing 
you know, we'll get, we'll get asked, like, can you guys play at 11 on a Tuesday, 11 a.m.? Like, uh, no, we all have <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that. Yeah. I I could. Yeah. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's what we ran into when we went to Tootsie's and did an audition, you know, to actually play like their Tootsie's has Tootsie's and then underneath them is Rippies and all these, they own like half of Broadway. Um, so we did the audition and I think the following Monday, they asked us to play somewhere from like two to six and we were like, we can't, we want yeah. to believe yeah. me, we want right. to, but we yeah. just can't do it. Yeah. I think we kind of went into this trying to, um, you know, just do it for fun, you know, and just scratch our itch basically. But, um, it's come become bigger than we, I think initially thought it would become it's, you know, more gigs have been offered and stuff, but, um, which is great. It's great it's kind of grown a bit. Scratch the, your itch. That's a really good yes, to exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Nick, so right along these, these same lines, I've read some of your musings online. You're a very talented writer, by the way. Oh, thank you. Just really around this subject of pursuing your passion and making things happen for yourself. And we're talking a little bit here about trying to fit it all in. How do you keep your day job, mm-hmm. your families, and, and find time for this? So how have you been able to do that and just even find time for the band? Well, first off, I think it's funny that you found some of my writing because it's not something <laughs> you really talk about. So you know, I found some of your, your articles you wrote. I'm like, oh, man, what did I say in there? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm making uh, a note to go check out all your writing oh, right no. now. You will love yeah. it. It is good. Yeah, she found something. We had our research team dig really deep. Very that. deep. That's good. That's good. Um, no, that's fine. Gotta share so, that. Yeah, yeah, I'll share that with you guys. Sure. So I think, you know, it's a number of things that have been able to allow me to do it. One is a very supportive wife that, you know, she understands that it's not really an option for me to play music or not. I mean, it's something I have to do. It's something I've done for so long. It's just... It's kind of like if I don't do it, I get grumpy, and, and so either be playing playing guitar or you know doing something creative like that. So so I do have a nine year old son, so her being supportive and like yes, I'll you know be here with with uh, with Reed while you go out and play. It's all good. So she, I think that's a big thing is just her understanding how important it is to me. So I think that's been the main thing, you know, and having a little bit of work flexibility and that's that's been a big thing you know just let's say those are the big things like supportive family supportive job you know and being music city i think people understand that you're, you're a musician you need to go out and play and, and do your thing so yeah it's enough rambling for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um i'm kind of in the same boat three kids seven five and two I've always kind of had, when I was doing this full time, uh, up until about five years ago, when I, when I started at my current company, we, uh, one of the things that was a big selling point was just the flexibility and the work-life balance. And, you know, I think it has allowed me to continue pursuing um, a musical, you know, chops and dreams and the things that I'd really love to do. And it's actually, I think Chad said it earlier, it's allowed me to pick and choose the things that I really want to do versus having to get a gig because it's a gig. It's my job. So, so I think in, in that sense, it's been so great in that I was able to find Nick, Chad, and Jennifer 
through through this and and hearing them sing and and hearing and and I always wanted to be in a band that could sing like what that everybody could sing and and can can harmonize and so that was just kind of like like the light bulb just went on for me so so for me it's just been allowing the career allowing me to pursue what I what I want to pursue and, and choose the things that I have to spend time on versus just getting the gig because I have to and having a supportive family is everything especially mm-hmm. with three kids you know it's when my wife met me I was a full-time musician so she gets it so yeah that's that's my piece and supportive grandmas that's really important <laughs> like my mom is a big piece of my puzzle you know my husband works he works downtown Nashville and he drives, he takes an hour to get home and back every day and each way. And I luckily, I have my mom. She's my, my hero because she's there to help watch my kids and take care of them. If I need to go out and leave early and go to a gig or this and that. So just support from your family. Um, it's huge, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I find it interesting because it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, did everybody grow up in Nashville or in Tennessee? or Nope. None of us. None of us. Nope. So how did you meet? Did you meet through our company or how did, how did it all come together? I met Nick and David through the company. I met Jennifer a long time ago. Like I think we met in 2005. We kind of ran in the same circle because she was in a, she was in a a group called Red Bandana. I was trying to do some songwriting stuff and just kind of get things going. And we kind of ran in the same circles and we'd see each other in the same bars. So we knew each other from a long time back. And then, Nick and David and I, we all met at the healthcare company. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy how all that came together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting because where I was thinking that I was going to take this question was, it seems like that you came to Nashville as professionals outside of being an artist or in the music industry. And then, but that was your passion mm-hmm. and you, you wanted to get back into it. But I guess here's my question is, did everybody come to Nashville wanting to do music, but figured out that maybe I need to get a consistent paycheck. And all of a sudden you get into that sort of, I'm going to say rut, but you know, Hey, I need to make a living here, but I'm definitely going to get into music. Is that how it worked for everybody? I think mostly, at least for me, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I I moved down um, uh, back in 2007, I think two weeks after I graduated from, from college. I had a, a music degree. I grew up in central Illinois. I grew up around the Springfield area. And so, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to do something in music. I got a music degree, but I was on the other side. So I wanted to be like the production engineer side um, behind the glass. I, I never really wanted to perform like I do now. Like it, things have kind of shifted over time. You know, I moved down to Nashville, started interning at a studio, you know, kind of got my feet wet in that arena. And what I had, you know, I was working part-time at a, an electronics store, just trying to kind of make ends meet. So you don't get paid interning. You get paid minimum wage uh, where I was at. And, you know, the, the people I was working with at the studio, they, it was a job to them. It was not, it, it almost was like, you know, it's just a business. There, there didn't seem to be the same kind of passion and, and love for music. I think they were very kind of jaded. That was my view on it. You know, my internship ended, you know, I had to get a job to, to kind of make ends meet. I, and I was tired of starving. 
I was really confused about, you know, do I really want to go down this path and, and kind of end up like this where there's no work-life balance? There's no very little opportunity for, you know, family and, and have kind of the, what I would call traditional work-life balance and family and stuff. So I, I kind of got away from it, you know, did other things for a while and, until I, you know, hooked up with these guys and kind of got back to it. So that's my short story about that. But I think we're all kind of similar. Yeah. yeah, I have an interesting story. I started getting really heavy into me. I mean, I was always a musician, uh, you know, growing up in school and whatever. Uh, and in college, I, I got heavily into it, into the recording side of music, kind of like Nick said, really just producing and engineering. And I would go, I grew up in San Antonio and I would, I would go home for the summer uh, after like a college semester and then I would work in the studio all summer That's down, down in San Antonio as an intern, as an assistant engineer, a producer, and just learning about technology and the recording process. And how do you, how do you become a session musician? Like, what do you have to, I mean, what do you have to do to be a session musician? All of these things I was starting to learn during that time. And I just got, I got really, really into it. And so after after college, I, I decided I wanted to move to Nashville and be, and, you know, be a record producer. And so I started uh, in the business side of music, um, but I was working for a firm that had a roster of artists who all were looking for like side musicians because they were getting gigs and they were going out on the road. And I hated where, what I was doing so much, which is basically like radio promotion uh, at the time, that they were like, hey, I was, I was telling them that I played drums. And they're like, hey, well, well I've got these gigs. You want to you come out and play with us? And I was like, yes, I do. Absol- absolutely want to come out. Um, and, of course, they were like, you know, 50 bucks. You, you travel and make like 50 bucks or something. And then, you know, it was nothing. Um, but I wanted to do it so badly. And I think the original dream for me was to play. But when, when I moved to Nashville, I didn't think I could play at the level of uh, musicianship that they have here. And when I came here, I realized that I, that I was, I could. And so that was really exciting for me to like, just start to play with some of these musicians and some of these artists that were, that were that good. And so that was what got me into playing and, and kind of doing that full time. But I ended up coming back to the music, uh, to the business side of it. Um, and eventually, um, kind of to the day job thing, but that was kind of asked how we originally got to Nashville. That was for me, it was like, Hey, I, w- I really want to be a record producer because I don't think I can play, but, uh, you know, with, with the professionals. But when I got here, I, I really like, realized I could. So I, I went after that for the next few years. Great. Well, when I first moved to Nashville, I actually was, um, volunteer firefighting and I was actually signed up to go into school for school for for firefighting and I literally and I was actually engaged at the moment too and at that time and um, I just had to make a random decision is this what I really want to do if I'm going to sit here and go to school for this then I'm not going to follow I can't follow up on my dream and I literally just decided my heart's not in Pensacola Florida my heart's in Nashville this is what I really want to do I can't be myself without singing that's just my heart you know that's what I long to do so I just got up and left and um, that relationship, you know, and did <laughs> decided going for it, you know, and um, ended up, I know it was the right decision to move up here. Even going through everything that we've gone through, it was the best decision. I love everything that happened since then. So, yeah. 
but yeah, firefighter, dental assistant. I've been a teacher. I work. I was the beer girl at a golf cart, you know, <laughs> a bartender at Coyotes for a little while. Coyote, oh, wow. <laughs> did a lot of different, I wore a lot of different hats. I'm very experienced in so many different areas. That's right. And um, I can do a whole lot of stuff, you know. <laughs> Artists are willing to chase a dream and do whatever it takes to, to chase yeah. that dream and the passion, which is, uh, it's, it's inspiring. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I but, think I know, had like three or four jobs at one time at different things, you know, just to make it you know but i enjoyed everything i did at the same time but it was a lot but you know you do what you do to be happy and if it's make you know singing makes you happy you do what you have to do to make that lifestyle happen um, that dream happen well let's let's kind of go around the room here and would love to hear about each of your individual journeys you told us pretty much how you made it to nashville but want to hear from each of you what your role is in the band and maybe a little bit more. What do you uh, play? Yeah, exactly. How you got to play that instrument? When did you start? That's right. Well, maybe we can start, let's pick on Chad. Go around first. the horn. My role is pretty much uh, rhythm, just keeping rhythm with Dave, which is a pleasure because Dave is uh, very good at what he does and he makes, he makes it fun. Uh, he makes us tighter as a band. So, I, I pretty much just do the country stuff because that's kind of my wheelhouse. You know, keep rhythm with Dave, sing some harmony stuff when they teach it to me because I, I don't have the gift of picking out parts like Nick and Jennifer and Dave do. So they actually, you know, make me a better singer too. You know, my goal was just in this was to always just get better and, and just be a better musician, you know. Whether we never left Tito's Mexican restaurant where we started playing or whether mm -hmm. we got, you know, to the Ryman. Uh, just to be just to be better musicians and just to be a better band, you know, always improving was kind of always the goal. And it still is the goal for me. But Nick and I kind of just got together at his house one day after work and just kind of said, like, you know, talking about music and good, playing some songs. And we, I think the first song we played together was a Tom Petty song. And we just said, like, you know, let's put together like maybe 20 or 30 of these if we can come up with a set list. And and just see how it goes and maybe we can like, go play somewhere, you know, because I had never really thought about that. So that's kind of where it started. And then as we got into it, I was like, man, we need like another person, we need, like a female, like, you know, for some, a variety of songs we can really go with. If we have another person, like especially a female, we can do some female stuff and have another harmony and just kind of. So I knew that Jennifer had moved to because me and her kind of lost touch. But then we kind of reconnected because she moved to Spring Hill or Thompson Station where we live now. So we reconnected at church. So I knew she was still around. So mm -hmm. we just kind of reached out to her. I was like, hey, we're just trying to do this, you know, trio thing. Uh, would you be interested in kind of hanging out and seeing how it goes? And she was like, yeah. I said, Heck yeah. And, and that's <laughs> yeah, I will. So we just started meeting at Nick's like every Tuesday and just going, you know, picking like three songs and just working them up. And then adding that to the list. And then the next thing we knew, we had about 40 of them. And so we went to a, a Mexican restaurant and just kind of said, hey, well, you know, we've never done this, but we want to, you know, play somewhere. Would you guys be willing to let us play on your patio? And the guy said, no, we're, we're booked for the rest of the year. And I said, okay, well, we'll do it for free. And he said, can you do it Sunday? Tito's Mexican restaurant sounds amazing. Tito right sounds now. really good right oh. now. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It does. So that's Wait. where we started on the patio. 
And when was that, Jones. Chad? When did you all get together? When did this all really take uh, shape? 2017. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, about this half. time of year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. So about three years ago. Aw. <laughs> yeah. So we started there and then just kind of, where did it go from? Oh, we, well, we got another place in Spring Hill, like a, a beer store, basically, called Wild Hair. Yeah. And uh, we started doing every other Friday there. We played there for about almost, what, eight to ten months? So we yep. played there every Friday. I mean, sometimes we play to 20 people. Sometimes we play to the, the workers at work. And that's there. the first time yeah. that Dave came in and played with us there, wasn't it? Yeah. Dave, wasn't that the first yep. time you played with us was there? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I had played with um, Chad and Nick previous to that separately for some corporate, uh, a corporate gig that we had put together. And the first one was Chad. Chad came up and sang a couple tunes, just knocked him out of the park. I, I was the, the house drummer and we were having uh, some talented folks from our, from our company come up and sing some songs and be a part That's of the band. And, and Yeah. And yes, yes. At Tin Roof, Chad came up. Oh, and I know like, all about that. I know all about that. Weren't you there? Yeah. Yes, I was there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a little good. did you yeah. know you're talking about. I know, I know. So Chad just like nailed this George Strait song. And I was just like, who's this dude? You know, uh, and, and I had known Chad from, from work, but like didn't realize he was that talented until he'd come up and did that. So, so that was the first time. And then Nick kind of followed after that, kind of knew of the fact that he could sing. And then he joined us in, in the next corporate thing that we did. And like, we did some like he did some Joe Cocker song and just killed it and um and so you know that was just kind of one of those things where I'm like gosh and then and then putting those two together and then knowing that Jennifer was there too was just like all right I'm sold Let, when are we playing you know like when can we get together when can we when can we go so for me it was all about the the voices and the influences that they have are the are the singers that I love and and uh, the sounds that I love and. So that's kind of where where I came into the picture. It has to be the best corporate band in America, right? <laughs> I mean, let's face it, the house band at your company. It's so true. It and has to be have, unbelievable. I think everybody's still talking about that night, and that was a lot. That was that was several years ago. We rented out the whole floor. I demand a paycheck on that bar. Is that a bonus in the paycheck? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I think we had drink oh, tickets. Man. Yes, we, we did. We did. Yeah, I remember I only got to do two songs, and I wasn't ready to stop to this place. Um, on I think it's on Church, or, or maybe it's on Commerce Street, called uh, Wild Beaver. And I sang karaoke. I went, I went and sang karaoke after that. I only got to do two songs and I was like, man, I want to keep going. So I went to Wild Beaver and drank beer and, and sang karaoke. Oh. <laughs> David, before we move from you, though, you have to tell us a little bit about your journey, the Lynn Maria Nashville polka guys. We, we want to hear a little bit about that. And yeah, our, our, our crash research team. <laughs> Now, now that not only do you rock, you rock and country, but you also do polka. Country, rock, polka, he's got it all. See, this is why I just love music. I mean, I I have I have so many influences growing up in in San Antonio. You know, we had everything from you know ninety eighties and nineties country, which was a huge thing uh, where I was 
and then then you had grunge music in the 90s that was real popular and then you know in san antonio we had tejano music which is like a mexican type polka music and and jazz in school and things like that and so uh, just a lot of musical influences uh, where I came from. And one of the things, about a year after I moved to Nashville, I had a, uh, somebody called me out of the blue. It was during the summer. I was doing, I was working an odd job. Um, and little did I know it was Lynn Marie, who is a five-time Grammy-nominated polka artist. But she called me out of the blue. She said, hey, so-and-so, uh, my friend so-and-so told me that you played drums. And um, I was calling to see if you'd be interested in, in going out on a, on a tour. And of course, I was making at maybe like $100 a hundred dollars a travel gig at that point in time with some some '90s country artists that I was playing with. And so I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, sure, I'm interested." And and I said, "What kind of music is it?" And she said, "It's like nothing you've ever heard before." I will never forget that quote as long as I live. I can remember the day. I, I remember the day, the place I was standing, like the the weather, everything about it when she said that. And of course, in my head, I was thinking, oh, she's an indie artist. She doesn't have any money. I'm going to go. I'm going to be playing for free. Uh, you know, yeah. Let, what it, let me see what it is. And then after she said that, she was like, well, we've got about 25 dates this summer um, at these festivals. It's, it's like uh, $250 a show plus per diem every day you travel. I, I didn't like, hear anything after up. that. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, uh, I'm going to. I'm going to go check this music out. I'll get back to you. And so I checked it out. And it, sure enough, it's, it's like nothing I've ever heard before. It was a fusion of kind of your oompa oompa polka music, you know, roll out the barrel with uh, rock and country um, and ska, actually. And so really challenging from a, from a drumming perspective, much more challenging than just like your straight up country or rock gig. Totally, uh, totally a different game, totally different ball game. She was, we're recording one of their albums. They, they were stumping some of the, the Nashville session musicians with not being able to play the, the, the song wow. because they were, you know, too challenging, too, too fast, not, not up their alley. It was really a, like a huge stretch for me musically to learn the song. I did it, made a lifelong friend in Lynn Marie. We still, we store, uh, still tour together, still do Oktoberfest during the Oktoberfest season. An amazing, I'm, I'm so glad I said yes and, and tried to do, you know, audition for the gig. And it just took me, when I went down a path, I have a Grammy nomination out of it. So that's pretty awesome wow. too. Wow, fantastic. Um, and so very cool. And, and I definitely urge you to check out her, her music if you, get a chance and and she does play when we get back from the COVID-19 situation she does play in Nashville and uh we do tour around during kind of the September October season at the big festival well she's adorable and the band is so so good you are really great with them as well too thank you David Nick we haven't forgot about you <laughs> apparently <laughs> Apparently, you're the shredder of the guitar. Yes, yes. And I also oh, understand yeah. you're a beast in the weight room, too, but we'll get to that oh, boy. shortly. But <laughs> when did you start playing guitar? Oh, man. So I started playing guitar. I mean, even before that, you know, I was lucky to grow up with parents that were really into music. You know, not musical themselves, but there was always, there was always music around. My dad had you know, a huge CD collection. It, well, before that, cassettes. So he had, you know, the cassettes in the van. 
you know, had Led Zeppelin and Bad Company and, oh, geez, um, Dan Yankees and, you know, Ted Nugent. Was lucky enough to kind of grow up in, in that environment where music was just always around. And so I, I remember the thing that kind of drove me to want to play guitar was it's very stereotypical, but I heard Stairway to Heaven, you know, Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. And Jimmy Page, you know, goes into that guitar solo and just, I, I mean, like I got chills from it. And I was probably, I don't know, I was probably 11, you know, 10, 11 years old, sitting in my parents' van, just on repeat, playing Stairway to Heaven, you know, rewinding. And so I, I kind of got that bug pretty early, continued to listen to music. And I would say when I got into junior high, you know, 13, 14 years old, just kind of on a whim, bought my first guitar. I didn't know like if I could play it. I had no idea. And I had I played trumpet in the high school or the junior high band. So and sang the choir and whatnot, but that was not the same thing. That was okay, yes, I'm doing music, this is cool, but that was not rock and roll, right? That was that was not rock and roll. So I'd say 14, 14 years old, I bought my first cherry red Squire Stratocaster from my my brother's best friend who was a few years older than me and was a, a really talented guitar player. He was selling it for like 150 bucks. So I had, I had some money saved up from, from one of my summer jobs and just on a whim, I bought it. And uh, I think the first song I learned, what was it? It was like Paranoid by Black Sabbath. I think it was like the first thing I wanted to learn. Just like the thrill of like being able to actually play a song. This is, this is amazing. I, and I you know, never put it down since. And just, you know, I had a high school bands I was in. You know, in central Illinois, there was, you know, there was the country, country, there were a lot of country fans. You know, I grew up in a small river town. So a lot of country music fans. But there was actually a pretty big underground rock scene, like a hard rock. And so I kind of went down that path of, of getting really into hard rock. You know, Pantera, System of a Down when they came out, Tool. You know, I went down that path. Fast forward to college, I was in another another rock band, you know, getting a music degree, trying to figure out where I wanted to move to because I know I wanted to do music. And uh, I, I didn't want to go to to one of the coasts and I, I didn't really want to move to Chicago. I was like, well, you know, I moved to Nashville. I was like, well, I really don't really don't know country music very well. So I, I kind of really kind of took on and, and started listening to a lot of country music. I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. I think I could, I can hear like some blues influence and like some, some rock. And, uh, you know, I had no idea how to play country on guitar. Like that was just like, what are all these bends and, and all this, uh, these steel guitar licks are playing? I, I don't, I don't understand it. You know, I had to start really getting into that side of music. And I took some guitar lessons from a local guy and, and just, really had to to work on my playing it's been a journey but it's been a lot of fun i, I enjoy learning you know i love all kinds of music now you know country rock jazz blues pop yes i'll listen to any pop you know lady gaga or, or whoever I, I don't really care i like it all <laughs> and I, I think that's i think that's been one of the, the great things about this group you know specifically is we all have sort of different backgrounds and different influences and we're able to pull all those together and come up with a cohesive sound from these different influences. And I think those are the best, uh, like all the, you know, all the groups that we grew up with, I think they all take influences from different 
genres and areas and they meld them together to come up with this you know new genre and, and, and this, this sound so that's what i did i mean i just took the best took, took a little bit of everything and it's very much uh, informed how i play guitar been playing ever since and, and uh i don't plan on stopping our background's in fitness and so nick we understand you're into i believe powerlifting and crossfit and all the things we love that so much tell us about it yeah, so so fitness, it's kind of funny. I've had like the two, my two same passions for my entire life since I was a little kid. Nothing's, the the the, uh, the breadth of them or the, the focus has shifted, but I've always been to music and, and fitness and, and working out. You know, I started, I guess, just kind of doing it because I was a, I was a heavier set kid and I wanted to be strong and play football and, you know, play sports. And so I, I just, you know, started when I was uh, 12, 13 years old, just kind of lifting and it's always been it's always just been a part of my life i wouldn't say it's the fitness aspect of it it's because a lot of the things i do are probably you know a lot of the heavy weights and stuff i do i've had probably more injuries so because of it so it's not really uh what i would say that the healthy side of things but i i do it you know powerlifting crossfit olympic lifting you know i've kind of dabbled in all of it and it, it, again it's just kind of become one of those things that if i don't do it i get uh i get kind of angry and and uh, I'm lucky enough to have a home gym with some, yeah. some plates. And, and so right now, you know, when, when everything's shut down, it's been very helpful to, to uh, be able to get out there and throw around some weight. Well, all the virtual uh, classes you can take these days are unbelievable. You know, and I find it fascinating that, uh, you know, part of the reason we started this uh, podcast was, you know, as I talked about uh, with you guys earlier before we got started <laughs> was the, the background support. And so in today's world is, if you can remember your first concert, probably <laughs> way back when, and those bands back in the day were totally drunk. They probably didn't sound as good as they could. It was all about the party. And it seems like today's what we noticed is that everybody's got a trainer that travels with them, or at least some of the bigger ones do, but they're hiring trainers uh, to go on the road with them really to stay in top shape. And it, it seems like it's really kind of flipped the other way around where everybody is into working out. Everybody wants to stay in shape because it's so competitive, you want to stay on your game. It's not really about who can have the best party on stage and not be able to perform. Did you guys see that? I'm sure you do. And I'm sure everyone in this podcast probably works out, I would assume. Well, and also the mental aspect, to your point, Nick, right? Not just the fitness and performance, but just the mental clarity and just the outlet. You know, I know there's probably, there's a lot of partying that still goes on and, and sure. uh, with, with musicians and whatnot. That's part yeah. of the, that's just part of the culture. But, but I think if you're going to have a, no matter what stage of the music industry you're in, whether you're, you know, the, the weekend warrior or you're, you know, you're out on the road all the time, if you want longevity, you have to take care of yourself. The, the days of, you know, partying and just all the time, you know, just abusing your body, you know, it's going to catch up with you. So if you want any type of longevity in your career, you've got to be, you've got to take care of your body, whether that's working out, you know, eating not total crap. Yeah. Um, you, you just need that. And, and the mental part of that is huge too. Just, just making sure that you, that stress and, and those things you're able to kind of deal with in a healthy type of outlet. I used to work for a band that had a full gym that came on tour. It, it was pulled by a semi and it popped out two slide outs and it was a full gym. Yeah. That was Rascal Flats was, uh, I worked for them for about 10 years and 
at the peak of them, 2006 probably, I mean, they had 10, 12 buses, about 20 trucks. And one of those trucks was a, a gym. So as a bus driver, I was able to like, you know, because I don't get much exercise sitting behind the wheel for, you know, eight hours a night. So I would be able to, you know, eat breakfast and then go work out in that gym. So it was pretty cool to have that, you know, accessible. As one band we follow, we saw they didn't have a double wider. No. <laughs> they didn't extend out. They were just pulling a spin bike out of the back. And uh, I think they had some dumbbells and stuff. It wasn't nearly that elaborate, but they did have a, a trainer that traveled with them. But that had to be a heck of a setup. That's probably yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, one of the very few that has that elaborate of a setup, I would assume. Yeah, I think a lot of those guys that are, you know, the big the big hitters have trainers and and gyms like that. Those are pretty popular now that, you know, they just follow the tour. Yeah. You know, they have their own catering and their own trainers and their own gyms. And, I mean, it's it's a big, big operation. It's the team, the talent behind the talent, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Chad, you mentioned, you know, driving the bus and um, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Any other interesting or, or fun stories you can share with us about your, your time? Yeah. Then? So I was a crew guy in the beginning of my, cause I was on the road for about 17 years and 10 of those years with the same band. I wanted to make more money. So I got my CDL and started driving the buses, which isn't as fun as being a crew guy. You don't get to, you know, have as much after show fun because you're in a hotel sleeper. I was wondering if you're driving all night, but you just answered the question. It sounds like you, you're on a hotel, but you have to wake up early, I assume. Yeah, it's more responsibility, but it is more money, but the responsibility is more, and it's just you don't get to play all the reindeer games, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you're kind of sent off to a hotel, and you're there until about midnight, and you get picked up, and then you get – on the bus and you drive to the next show and it just kind of goes like that yeah. for three or four days in a row, however long your, you know, your stretches. I drove the band bus for the flats. We were on this really uh, long, uh, cold trip across Canada in January. We started, I think like in Manitoba and we had three days to get to Vancouver and just everything that could go wrong was going wrong for us. So we would, the interstate got shut down one night. So we had to pull over in like a McDonald's parking lot. And everybody had to sleep there. And we just kind of stayed there until they reopened. The, the main road that runs through Canada is like, I think it's called One. And it goes all the way across the whole country. So the second night, we broke down in Calgary. And we were, got, had to get towed to a shop. And we were there for like six hours. Uh, everybody was mad because they were two days off in Vancouver. And they were looking forward to getting there to just kind of hang out and do whatever. And we weren't going to be taking advantage of that time off. So... Finally got fixed in Calgary and we're driving. I think we're still like 300 miles away from Vancouver and drummer was a late night guy and he was up till like three in the morning every night. So we're sitting up, sitting up front and he said, he goes, you know what today is? And I said, I, I don't know, sun, Sunday. He goes, no, it's, it's April 1st. I was like, yeah. He's like, we got to do something. I was like, okay. All right. All right. I said, go back in your bunk, lay down and just go follow me. So he went back and laid in his bunk and I started making the bus kind of rock and like it was going to break down. <laughs> so I found this huge parking lot and I pulled over, I got out. I went, I went as far as to open up the doors, you know, and shut the motor off and put the, you know, the emergency signs out, the flashers and all that stuff. And it was like, it was like, elaborate. Oh yeah. It was like below zero, four o'clock in the morning. 
And so I woke them all up and said, guys, you won't believe this, but we are down again. There's another bus behind us. It's empty, but there's only two bunks because it's the manager's bus. And there was only two bunks. I said, so you guys are going to have to get your stuff, go in there, find a couch, find a, what, whatever you guys can do. You got about five hours to Vancouver. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get this bus fixed, but I'm sorry. So they were all just got up. This is four in the morning, mind you. Packed up all their stuff, got dressed, uh, loaded all of it onto the other bus, laid down <laughs> wherever they could lay down, couches, whatever, on the floor. So this took about an hour. Oh like eight so I said, all right, guys, you got everything you need because I'm not going to see you until whatever. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we got everything. I said, are you sure? Like, yeah. I said, all right, well, I'll see you guys in Vancouver. Be safe. And I said, one more thing. April Fool's. Oh my gosh. Yeah, didn't think it was very funny. So I was like, all right, get you guys just back on the bus, go back to bed. So it was pretty epic. Oh my gosh. It got a lot of props. So it was. It would have been even better if you had gotten in the bus and just drove and they were saying, wait, I thought it was broken down. And then you just fall off. Yeah. That's great. I love it. So, yeah, that's, uh, I have a lot of others, but we'll have to talk about those. That's a whole other podcast. It is. Yeah. Tribulations of having your CDL license. Yeah, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things. I'm sure you have that you probably can't repeat. But I don't miss that life at all. I'm glad to be. It has to be fun, but rough. It is fun, and people think it's really glamorous, and that wears off really fast. Yeah. And then you're just trapped on this on these rolling submarines with ten other dudes, and you're trying to all get along and stay out of each other's space. Yeah. I mean, Dave's been on that end of it; he knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty hard. It's a pretty hard life. I mean, it's it's easy to get sucked into it, and you know, ten, twelve years go by, and you're like, man, I've been doing this for a while. And then sometimes it's really hard to get out of too. So yeah. I was really lucky to find my way out you know, and be able to, and then get to do what I'm passionate about as a side gig. It's a pretty cool side yeah. gig. So, and especially to do it with these guys is, is a real pleasure. And I'm hoping that this goes away really fast because I'm tired of this coronavirus thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to get back into, I'm, I'm, I'm not everybody is, but I mean, I want to get back just to a normal life, start playing again and just, you know, be normal. Absolutely. This, is, this is not, this is not fun. Yeah. Yeah. You had earlier mentioned harmonies. And we see some videos, and your harmonies are fantastic. I think I saw Seven Bridges, uh, Eagles little video, which means that that's part of the reason you want a female voice. You're talking about Jennifer, and I don't think we've got to Jennifer yet about all of your background. Uh, but I want to make sure we, we get to all your exploits, and even a dancer, <laughs> which we have a dancer in our family. Yes. So yeah. we know how, how interesting and tough that is. But yeah, Jennifer does very well because she is the only one up there that isn't playing an instrument. So when she's not doing anything, she's very good at just always moving. She's always smiling. She's always engaded. And so she's I could adorable. Only she does. She's adorable. I, yeah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And if the building catches fire, she can put it out. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it's exactly. That's the reason why I'm there. Just in case. Yeah. fire. <laughs> Well, you always need a good woman in the band. Come on. Right. That's right. Exactly. Keep them all organized. Hold it together. 
<laughs> and then we got Nick, if we were ever still lucky as to like, you know, have a need for security, he serves that purpose. Yeah. And if we were so lucky as to get a bus and it breaks down, we'll just hook it to Nick and he'll pull us to the next gate. <laughs> <laughs> Very useful. <laughs> Too funny. I think the harmony thing kind of came around as of just, we, we're all fortunate to have our voices blend really well. But I think the more that we've done this, the tighter we've gotten, you know, that's, that was yeah. just a time thing. Yeah. But, but, you know, it started out 70%, you know, it was already pretty, pretty strong to be, to begin with. So, cause that's the biggest thing. If you don't blend well, it's just not going to, it's not going to work. Right. And we got, we got really lucky in that we all blend very well together. It's incredible. And, incredible. Oh, thank you. It's fun. I think we all have uh most, I think we all have been in choir at some point in our lives, and uh, mm -hmm. I think that probably helped a lot, being able to kind of uh, understand what it's like to harmonize with other people. And, you know, I know Jennifer is still uh, is very active in a church choir, in her church choir. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably, and Jennifer, I'll let you kind of talk about that, but, you know, kind of your, your background and how you, uh, how you started and where your journey is. Yep. Yeah, I started singing in church when I was about seven years old, just doing little solos here and there. I always wanted to, probably before that, I wanted to get there and sing. But I, was so, I was such a shy child, very shy. But I got there and sang. And then after that, I mean, I just, my love for music and singing, I used to call it my secret voice. I know it sounds weird, silly, but, you know, I was just, you know, my secret voice. I didn't want anybody to hear my secret voice that I actually could sing, you know, a little bit. But I uh, started in church, and then I actually got into band. I, was, I played trombone for a couple of years <laughs> and piano a little bit, which I don't play much of any of those instruments. But um, I decided I either had to choose marching band or choir, and I ended up choosing choir, which I'm very glad that I did because learning how to harmonize, and that's like my passion. Harmony is just my thing. I love it. But I did uh, choir, and after high school, I was in a band called McAllister. Uh, it was two girls, two guys, and we were actually signing with MCA Records when I actually got pregnant with my son. He's 19 years old now. <laughs> I left the group to raise him. I ended up back in the group after having him, actually, for a little bit, but that group kind of dispersed, and... And I was in a couple of the girls' group groups called uh, one called Red Bandana and Pistol, and um, we actually toured with a group called King Billy and what we call our brother band, John Osborne from the Osborne Brothers, our brother Osborne. He was in the band, and Charlie Wortham, a bunch of guys from that group, kind of made their own name for themselves. But wow. been in a lot of different things, but harmonies is my thing. I can't keep a, they try to get me to do the shaker and I always have a shaker in my purse, <laughs> but I cannot <laughs> sing and do anything else. I am just, I, they're just like, put it down, put it down. Please don't, please don't. I tried one time. They're like, just take it away from me. But um, I just can't. I mean, I, I do try to play guitar a little bit at home and I just can't sing and do it at the same time. I just got to move, you know, and sing. Harmony's my thing. That's about it, you know? Beautiful. You all have been super fabulous. A very diverse background. It's amazing how you got to this point. You know, obviously, to fuel your passion, you got to have a job. And, you know, certainly I think it kind of highlights in the time we're in now for sure. But 
the draw to bring you back to music to, to, to fuel that passion uh, and keep you vibrant and alive. And I would say anybody who can find uh, Nick's uh, blogs on computer, I think he says it all. So don't forget about that. I won't say where it's at. I don't really know, but Stacy knows. But I would say you say some profound stuff that was pretty pretty awesome. I already, I already told him that, he, Nick, you're my spirit animal when it comes to <laughs> – you know, having a day job, but finding your creative outlet yep. and, you know, not, yeah. you don't have to give up the dream. You can, you can have it all. And you guys definitely have it all. Oh, um, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. Hey, we want to hear before we, before we go, we want to hear about love the band's name, Tennessee Stills. Can you tell us how you came up with that? <laughs> well, it wasn't our first choice. It wasn't no. our first choice. <laughs> Uh, we had a few other names. I don't know if we can say them on here or not. This was before we had a uh, before we had Jennifer in the band, with Chad and I spitballing some stuff, and Jennifer gave us a kibosh. So I, I know we were just just kind of texting back and forth. I probably still have the the conversation on my phone like way back. I was just hey, what about this? Uh, there's already a band called that. What about this? I said it's very hard to find something that hasn't been taken. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. It is. I think you know, initially we um, were going forth with like I lived in Spring Hill, they lived in Thompson Station. Uh, we were trying to think like Thompson Hill, Hill Station. I mean, we were combining all those things, and I think all of them were taken actually. And then there was the band called Thompson Square. So then we kind of like, oh, there's that. And then I don't even really remember how Tennessee Stills even came about. I I mean, it so, took a long time for us to figure that out because it did. I I had it did. there there. Yeah, there, I did. There was a, a band, a couple friends that had different bands. I think one of them was Tennessee something, and, and another one was something Stills. I was like, Tennessee Stills. I, I remember throwing it out to you guys. I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. I'm like, yeah, that's all right for now. So there's really no profound, like, meaning behind it. So we just kind of took a couple words and put it together, and it kind of made sense. And we all like bourbon, and, you know, ten, and we're in Tennessee. So, I mean, it just, you guys like bourbon too, I'm sure, being from Kentucky. <laughs> I think, I think so, that's actually because yeah. we'd always sit around at Nick's house practicing. We'd always have a little a little glass of bourbon with us. Oh, so I think it was like, yeah, that kind of that kind of fits. You know, it's yeah, weird. Yeah. You would think that would all things would be taken, right? Like Tennessee stills, bourbon. Yeah. I mean, we haven't been sued yet. So nope, no. not yet. We're hoping <laughs> that uh, we don't think there is anybody out there. You know you made it when you get sued. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. I'll walk you that. I yes. love the name. I love the name. It's really, really good. So Thank we got to find out then where where can people find you and your memos? What did you call them? Nick's memos. No, I no, I call them mem um, musings. Musings. I don't know though. Musings. I'm pausing for a second. I'm not sure he wants to drive me into that. Oh, yeah, but they're really good. <laughs> they are really good. You you. I have to go check it out. Yeah. It's really good. I was reading them to yeah. Andy the other day. I said, listen to yeah, this. Where do you? I'm like, that's, that's hot right there. Boom. Call him yeah. out. <laughs> David's looking on his computer right now. He's Googling. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he can... is saying what's in my brain right now. Right there. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, you can, um, yeah I, wrote, I wrote some articles on Medium. Medium.com. It's been a couple of years when I started. I've never been like a, a prolific writer or anything like that. It just, I just need to write. I was like, I just need to write stuff. I just need to write something. I have this in my, my head. 
And that was kind of the outlet I used. And there, there's, it's kind of the way I speak. There's profanity in it and it's not glamorous. It's, it's very real. And I think it's funny you found it and I, I appreciate you uh, reading it and, and hopefully I've wrote some, some, uh, some okay things on there and hopefully you guys liked it. So I, I encourage everybody to go check it out. Okay, good, yeah. good. Thank you. Well, before you, before you tell us where to find you, I think that, that leads me to another question. Your intentions as a band, are you writing songs right now or is it just to satisfy that, that urge of, I want to get out and perform and Spread that's my edge. outlet of the nine to five grind job. Where are you taking this band? It did start as just a cover band. I think that's probably the only thing we haven't really tried to tackle yet is like having some original music of our own. I mean, I have a lot of songs because that's kind of why I moved to Nashville. So I've probably got two or 300 songs, but it's kind of like they don't really fit like what we are. So I right. think in order to find that, we'd have to do stuff together, you know, collaborative um, kind of writing together. But I think that's what maybe could be next. It is fun doing cover songs and, I love being able to to really nail those songs and like, you know, people are, you know, appreciative of that and that's fun, but it would be fun to kind of find our own sound through our own writing, you know, but that's another thing is to, is to find the time to all of us to get together because we sure. can barely do that just to perform, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. shows that we do have. So, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that would be fun. It just would be something to add to the, you know, to the, to the pile. Yeah, why yeah, not? I, I mean, full-time jobs, um, <laughs> songwriting, <laughs> practice, trying to find gigs that aren't at 11 o'clock in the uh, morning right. or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they're a pretty big deal, they're, they're full-time jobs, by I the way. I mean, they're kind of a big deal, too. Yep. You know, I think of all the bands that started, I mean, you have to start, have to start doing covers. Every band that I know of started out as a cover band, you know, at some point, just to be able to play together, figure out each other's musical sensibilities. You know, it just gives you an opportunity to perform together. And I think the next next logical step that I see is for us to start incorporating some originals. But, you know, to Chad's point, finding the time, it can be challenging. So, but, but I think for me, I, I just want to keep playing. That's, I just, I just, it would take a lot for me to not play music, especially with these guys, you know, it's, it's not about money. It's not about anything else. It's just, um, you know, about having a good time and, and seeing where it takes us. I was, I was thinking the other day, uh, I think maybe last month before all this stuff started happening, I was like, I'm dusting off the old uh, catalog and seeing if there's anything that would kind of fit what we do. Because, you know, there are times in this journey with you guys that I've been like, wow, I mean, that we just make this magical sound and then, and then I think, oh, we can do this, this, and this, and we can do this. Or, and then there's times when we'll like, we'll go in front of people like at Tootsie's and then they're like, we want to book you all the time. And then we can't, we can't really do that. Right. So I kind of like, mm -hmm. we try to find like that balance of like the, the talent that we have in this pool can really, could really do something if, if, if it got to that point. But like, what's the balance of, yeah, we want, we want to play regularly and we want to be together and hang out together. We want to do originals. We want to do covers. Well, what's that balance? And I think that's, that's where we're, <laughs> that's the, the, uh, the challenge for me, at least. I know for, for you guys, it, it is some too, but you, you kind of get, ex you, I get excited when I hear other people get excited about what we're doing. And I think, oh, we could, we could do more. We could do so much more. Mm -hmm. I think that's the challenge. 
Yeah. And then, you know, and then now we've got this uh, huge pause. So we're going to have to start back over. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we'll, we'll pick it up pretty easily. But I think one thing that we really should kind of strive to try to do is to make like an EP. Maybe take mm-hmm. like two covers, find, you know, we're, we are in Nashville. I mean, the songwriting is kind of big here. I think we could probably look outside sources and find some music that would fit us that hasn't been recorded and maybe try to go about that way and then make, make a small record, you know, go in the studio and do that. Cause we haven't really done that before. Yeah. I mean, Nick and I wrote a jingle for an RV company that's been used in Indiana and Illinois. So that's, kind of, that's really about it. Yes, sir. So. Hey, you can make a living writing jingles. That's right. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I mean, well, please be okay. do an EP. Please do an EP. That'd be, be great. Yeah. I think that. just pick the songs and find the right songs. And I think that would be, that'd be a, a lot of fun to do that. Amazing. I love, I love being in the studio. It's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You certainly have all the talent uh, on the team. Seems like there's a wealth of uh, in depth of knowledge of not only just singing and playing, but also on the back end of being in the studio like uh, a few of you have. So that's unbelievable. Yeah. And to be able to take your time and like really get it right would be, would be fun. Cause we can, you know, we get it right most of the time, you know, one take. So to be able to like go in and like really sit down and focus on it and not be like, okay, that's all, that was your one chance. I mean, we could say, Oh, let's do that again. Or, Right. And really, really get it, get it nice and tight would, would be, would be fun. Yep. So that, that might be something we should think about doing. Yep. All right. We're going to bring it together for you. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. having a deep, we're almost in a deep conversation we at this point. We just made a decision. I think I the like band is opening up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it, sure. guys. Let's do it. Sure. All right. So somebody's coming to Nashville or listening to this podcast. Where are we going to tell them to go find you? You can check us out on Instagram, Tennessee Stills Band. Check us out on Facebook. When things get back to normal, uh, put our shows up there. Or at least we try to. Sometimes I forget and that happens. But uh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we have a show. Put that on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so in, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. So, you know, guys, go out there and um, like us, follow us. You know, interact with us, shoot us a message, and and uh, when we get back to playing again, you'll you'll see what we're playing on there. So, we talked about maybe trying to do like a Facebook Live thing where we just get six feet apart and get in a room <laughs> and um, just do like some just do like some songs and take requests and just make make it a laid back, just fun thing. You know, just to just to play and just to like interact. You know, would be yeah. yeah. Everybody's doing everybody's doing that now, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the creativity of how people are getting out their music is uh, unbelievable. Right, and mm-hmm. and your YouTube channel, um, what you have posted there is a great yeah. listen. Go check that out while we're while we're waiting. Well, thank you so much, you guys. Um, this has thank been you. so much fun, and I could talk for another hour. I know. <laughs> but, uh, can't wait yeah. to see where Tennessee Stills goes, and really appreciate you and. Best of luck with everything. Yeah, thank, thank you for the you. support. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, was fun. Guys, stay Thanks. safe. Thanks for listening to the B-Side Podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated. 